0: So you want to play 8-cast at Eternal Weekend. Next on Eternal Dirtles. Hello and welcome to Eternal
1: Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark. And with me as always, Phil Bluckman. Phil, how's it going, man?
0: Zach, it's good. Uh, this is the episode that everybody has been for, wanting forever. The one where I'm going to close my, my stupid mouth, my idiot mouth. I'm going to sit silent and listen to two 8-cast experts actually hash out the best version of the deck. Zach, let's introduce our guest.
1: David Marchese. how's it going man? It's going great. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it's it's awesome to have you. I feel like uh you know, uh I feel like we've 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 known each other for forever, but this is the first time we've actually been face to face. We just uh constantly like go back and forth on like YouTube comments and through yeah. like 90s MTG chat.
2: Yeah, I feel like Right now, my forms communication t- with you are the two you mentioned, and then me constantly telling Phil to tell you to put in patchwork automaton.
1: And <laughs> and I've I've finally done it. I've I've ordered them. They're on the way. Uh, you're you're one hundred percent correct. After especially after looking at uh, I think 90s MPG just put out your uh, final match in the one K that that you, it, that you won did. today. And um, just watching like what I looked at uh as as a person who doesn't normally play the automaton. Uh, in that first game, I was like, "Oh, the game's over. This is this game is over. You've lost." And then, like, you t- you turned it around with a a bobble pop, and uh, and just like going from one one automaton to two automatons to two, to to like a five five with life link and a four and a four, four with yeah. lifelink. And and mean luckily, uh, the opponent never hit their sorcery no. or uh, creature to to make the three. Uh, Dragon's Rage, Chandler's live, but that, yeah, that game looked unwinnable to me.
2: There was there was definitely luck um, with uh, my opponent not hitting delirium, and I was just making sure the entire time to just never block their creatures too. Yeah. So, it, big creature plus shadow spear is a good combination.
1: It, I mean, that is that is the <laughs> thesis of the deck, right? Is is if you could put life link on a big creature and it has trample too. What can even be done? No, I mean those two keywords together
2: is on a one mana artifact. It's
1: it is the dream good. for sure. Exactly. I prefer to call it the Morgul Knife. Uh, but but yeah, no, yeah, of course. Uh, uh, that that whole the whole like. Play pattern of that deck is is when you can get that out on a construct, and it's like an eight eight, and you have a and you have a blocking like seven seven behind to just sit there. And even if you can switch the uh, Shadow Sphere over to the to the blocker afterwards, it's it's it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, so so I guess I I I'd, I'd like you to take it away and tell me one uh, just get everybody on board with Automaton because I I think it took me a little convincing. It may take uh, other people a little bit of convincing as well.
2: Yeah, so if if we go back earlier in the year for 8-cast, um, the deck was much heavier on size. You would regularly see three, potentially four size in a deck. You know, 8-cast, um, it was going tall, it was going wide, it was just value, 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 and your your big creatures were your constructs and maybe like the one or two kappas in your deck. Um, but now thanks to um the testing of certain mtgo players like at swifty time um who's constantly putting up great results and weekend challenges and showcases um danny bambino um patrick automaton is just a threat that we can put out with ancient tomb or land opal Land. you know pedal it's a turn one threat that protects itself and just keeps growing. Um, and I think what's really important right now with Acast is to have as strong as a turn one as possible. We already gained so much value in this deck, so I, with, I think, the shifting of the meta, especially with the introduction of Orcish Showmasters, uh, the general game plan has been more to go tall, rather than just value yeah. in, every, value in every which way possible.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's one of the things too is that with the advent of Orkish bowmasters and the fact that, like, look, we're gonna keep drawing cards. We're not gonna stop. We're not gonna stop drawing cards, right? Like, we just gotta just gonna yeah. plow through the bowmasters. Um, size is not gonna cut it uh, in a bowmasters meta, uh, not the same way it used to. Where like every time you're drawing a card, they're just picking off your your uh, tokens <laughs> or the or the value you're gaining off those tokens. So I yeah. think I think especially in a bowmasters meta, uh, leaning less on size probably prudent.
0: Just ha- I have two ha- questions. Yes, two questions, real quick. On, on particularly on patchwork going tall, does does the skew towards going tall, so cutting some number of Psy in place of some number of patchwork, does that place a heavier emphasis on shadow spear being a critical component to closing a game out? Oh
2: yeah, uh, shadow spear. Honestly, like I, I don't know how well the deck would work without shadow spear, just because you deal. So much damage to yourself tapping ancient tomb indiscriminately every single turn. I mean, if you're not, you're just gonna I think fall behind and defeat the point of the deck. And the ability to just tutor it up so often, um, one like because it's great life game. is great against Delver. It's great against Shadow. Like all the tempo decks. um, And then. If you happen to gain a large amount of life, it can often put you in situations where you don't, in like game two and three, where you don't have to overextend in the sideboard cards and really start to leave cards back into your hand for if you can't stop their inevitable meltdown. Mm -hmm. And to go along with that, what's nice about Patchwork is that it's a two-mana artifact. So now it's taxing meltdowns by an additional one mana.
0: Yeah. That's my, that was my follow up question was with regards to meltdown is the, cause I I know that, I mean, I've played many a meltdown in my day, uh, the, when you have, (laughs) when, 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 when David and I first knew that we were going to be best friends forever, uh, he bobbled me, he saw a meltdown on top of my deck. (laughs) And he Hollywooded it. He was like, oh, that's bad for me. And I was like, oh. Uh, and so I was like, oh, whatever's on top of my deck is going to be excellent for me. So I draw it. I think to myself, hell yeah, fuck yeah. I'm a master gamer. And I slam it. I'm like, melt down, you bitch. And he's like, X equals counter, zero. It with, yeah, counter it with chalice. Oh, and God. I should have shame conceded. But I didn't. I took you my beating. Not, I took yeah. my. I took my beating like I deserved. My um, follow up was the chalice on three to stop the brotherhood end in your hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It man. was. It, it was. It was exactly <laughs> the kind of punishment that one deserves after uh, doing what I did in that in that moment. Uh, so 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 callously. Mm-hmm. But speaking of meltdown, uh, do, I know that when when I've played against uh, a cast opponents in the past, that uh, oftentimes the follow up to a meltdown would be a sigh to rebuild yeah like just sandbagging some number size and then go a little bit wide, and that's a way to like establish a board presence following a mm-hmm. essentially a wrath of God is that is does patchwork lean so it does tax the meltdown, but is meltdown more of a critical component of like just sandbag your remo- your counter magic solely for the meltdown because you don't have as many size to recover, or does it not actually play out that way so I play
2: games two and three, obviously tremendously different from game one. Um, assuming all the Meltdown decks are on the more fair side, um, I'm someone that's high on playing four Force of Negations, oftentimes you'll see three, and I essentially hold my Force of Wills and Force of Negations, like for the card that tells me to go screw myself like meltdown seeds you know uh dress down terminus whatever it may be like i'm almost always just letting whatever resolve unless it's so disastrous like obviously you always have to counter like little teferi unless you have like creatures to immediately kill them but um games two and three for me always comes like counter their hate yeah Mm -hmm. if it's not hate and you can afford to beat it in any of your other ways, even if you don't have that way in your hand right now, let it happen, and counter hate. I have uh, multiple VODs on 90s MTG that end with me just holding like two forces, three forces of blue card. I just stop playing cards. I'm like, I have the win on board.
1: Just hold every single force possible to the sideboard cards so that yeah. they hate. I think often you're going to find that, uh, that when, when someone's casting Meltdown, they have a backup counter to counter your counter, so you actually do need a, yeah. a second one anyhow.
2: I, have I for a long time, didn't understand um, the Hydro that players um, were putting in the sideboard. Um, I did recently swap to them. This was, although I think it might... No, I played it for the 1K. Um, and because all of a sudden I've become a little lower on Chalice, yeah. especially in sideboard games uh i I think chalice just has a really hard time getting there unless it's against like really certain decks like yes against against death shadow is disgusting but yes get uh, rid
0: of your chalices yes i mean i definitely like on the draw
2: i'll like i'm still on the full four but on the draw i'll usually board like two out just because it's significantly weaker on the draw yeah and i like a lot of the times, I'm not losing to one mana spells. I'm losing to the the hate card, and if I just don't let that resolve, I will win.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The the four force and negation in the board reminds me very much of uh, it's it's a very doomsday and uh style of sideboarding where it's like you just have you you don't actually have like a removal or anything to like stop the thing that is going to stop you. You just like don't let that thing actually ever resolve between yeah. eight forces. Zach, you're on four force and negation in the board too, right?
1: I'm on uh two, but currently I'm playing three Flusterstorms so hmm. that they yeah. can get through my uh, Chalice of the Voids as well.
0: I see. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's, right, that's
1: kind of the plan I'm running on. I'm uh, looking
2: at my board right now. Right now my, my counters are two Hydroblasts. Four negations and two flusters. Yeah, I, I come like with the full counter package yeah. at this
1: point. That's just where I'm at. Well, you know, one of the interesting things uh, t- talking about, uh, you know, those board wipes that we have to worry about, um, and then uh, sort of uh, going back to the automaton uh, situation is automaton uh, allows you to play uh, a s- sort of a second plan, what I call the Kappa Cannoneer plan, where you're just putting, where you're just casting as many artifacts as possible. And then popping them to draw more artifacts. Yeah. Um, so th- that plan versus what I call the construct plan, where you're just like letting them sit on the board and doing as much damage as possible. So that sort of it makes you resilient as well against the uh, against the uh, plan of, of meltdown. It's like, oh, I still have a full grip of cards. You know, I just I, you know during your upkeep, I just drew four cards. You know, and I was going to play them all next turn anyways, and draw four more cards. Uh-huh. So I think the automaton allows you to uh, allows you to kind of uh, circumvent that as well. Just just at at the base of just being a card that wants you to continue to cycle your baubles, anyhow.
2: Yeah, I think what I love so much about 8-cast is I love decks that have a lot of small moving parts and critical mass synergies. Um, and this little Mishra's Bobble, Urza's Bobble, which is just zero mana, you know, can trip and look at the top or look at a card somewhere. Uh, it becomes zero mana. Oh, now it's kind of uh, a land for all of your affinity cards. Oh, it's a land for Kappa. Oh, it's plus one counters for Kappa, uh, or a one one side. It's a plus one for Patchwork. Like managing how to use your zero cost. Is such a, I think like hard to notice skill in a cast because there's so many like not doing anything is a very active decision in this deck. Yes. <laughs> um, but it's not like you don't you don't see that decision like I okay I left my bobble on the board. It's like oh, okay he left his bobble on the board but like there was like thinking like okay do I I have a force? Do I just am I gonna bobble for a blue card? or do I want to save this in hopes that maybe I draw one of my payoffs, you know, like you said, like thought monitor thought cast or Kappa that yeah. can use these artifacts on the field. Um, you know, sometimes you have to keep them just because you need your construct to be bigger than their arrow. Yeah. Um, so the use of bobbles and then subsequently like Lotus Petal is like such an important part of the deck. And I I, I think like, that that's like the first skill that like a cast players should want to work on is just managing their zero cost artifacts and like how to maximize the cast and just the existence of each one like don't just like willy-nilly play them but also like if you think your opponent has chalice on zero or
0: lavinia you kind of just have to play them (laughs) yeah it's like when when you were learning that that essentially applying those skills of figuring out bobble management. Uh, for, also, for the record, when you said bobble pop at the beginning of the episode, uh, I vote to change the deck name to, to bobble pop. <laughs> um, but was, when you were first learning how to manage your bobbles, was there uh, a moment where you, is it just, you know, board assessment at the time? Or is there a, a fallback if you're unsure? Do you more often than not uh, crack them? Do you leave them? Like, what are the the takeaways for somebody who's like, coming to it, not understanding necessarily how to manage their baubles. Cause it's, it's different from like me explaining to somebody how you should manage your ponder versus brainstorm. Right? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's similar in, in, in vain, but it's very different in practice.
2: Yeah. I think, um, it can be really difficult to just explain the idea of when not to it, cause you get into so many of these weird, unique situations that you can be in for the first time still so many times. Um, but like generally speaking if you're if you're good with the cards in your hand you're sitting fine you still got things to do you know you can leave the bobbles down because now you draw a thought cast kappa you know you draw whatever payoff you just keep it going you know um if you have a if you're rich in artifacts and you don't need to make your constructs huge or you don't have constructs you know start cycling them popping them through if you absolutely just need like counters like forces like just get those in blue cards like regularly um, I'll, if I have like multiple bobbles, sometimes I'll bobble the top card of my deck, see if it's a blue card to, for my force. This way I don't have to pop the other bobbles. Um, Clever. uh, So alternative. Yeah. So that's like one of the, definitely the things you got to do. It's really just what benefits me more in this situation. This, currently being I guess like a mana rock slash buff for my constructs or a card that I need from the top of my deck. That's like the assessment you have to be doing at all times because you can just constantly psyching your bowels, and then you're gonna get stuck with a bunch of cards you can't cast in your hand like, you <laughs> you're eventually to gonna have, have, have a bunch of lands in your hand yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're gonna have a bunch of land you're gonna have a bunch of thought monitors and kappas you can't cast like the whole yeah. point of these is to cheat out expensive spells early so if you're just popping them all willy-nilly like you're not going to be doing the broken thing in the
1: deck like, yeah i think i think that's one of the things that comes from uh putting a lot of reps in with this deck is realizing when when it's time to crack these and get the value back out of them and when it's time to leave them on the board to get value out of them that way, um, and and I think that is the that is the clear delineation from someone who owns the deck and from someone who excels with the deck. Yeah, I mean, pretty much uh,
2: a player um, that I play out a lot of Game Story was like, when you're popping bobbles, I'm happy because that means you're digging for something. <laughs> yeah. Uh And then on top of that, um it's just it's either you're behind or greatly ahead if you're popping that's like pretty much the two situations if you're in the Mm -hmm. middle you probably leave them on the ground
0: (laughs) yeah quick question before we talk about uh some different matchups uh are are, does it tilt you as much as it tilts me that there isn't an emery printed that says affinity for artifacts yet
2: (laughs) i i don't always enjoy the inconsistencies in wording or potentially lack thereof uh let's see this spell costs one. Yeah, it should just say affinity. Um, <laughs> it is the exact well, well, wording right. of affinity. It is. It should. It should just. It, it's like uh, how consider is surveil, but they didn't want to wait surveil.
0: Yeah, and now they've errated it, so it is surveil. It could, so it'll trigger know, it trigger surveil's matter. But <laughs> I, it could have just been surveil draw card. I'm like, look, it's a sync, easy. But no, <laughs> Way cleaner, way cleaner. All right, so I, I want to uh, quickly chat about uh some uh matchups that you uh enjoy seeing across the table and matchups that you don't like seeing across the table uh and then also uh how if at all the mirror and how you navigate it changes with the adoption of automaton versus the heavier side builds versus something like a painter build and uh how you go about those so first off what, what are the matchups that you're like if you could go down into if you go go to eternal weekend all fifteen rounds, you're like. If I sat across this every round, that would be a blessed weekend.
1: I propose we start with the mirror. Actually,
0: I I am not the I, I'm the miracles, bro. So I'll let the eight cats guys I have. I propose
1: that. I propose we start with the miracles, uh, David. Mostly because I think that's my favorite match to go up against because it leverages it's pure skill on on leverage. Like you, yeah, basically are put up against somebody else who you have to assume has has less reps with with the deck than than you do and then and then you get to just show them how how you play the deck differently than them and and for a deck with so many options uh it, it can often you can often throw people off by do by doing the opposite of what they expected and leading them into situations like you said where where they think you're digging, but you're ahead yeah
2: um so my first comment on the mirror is, if I know going into the match that it's the mirror. I'm very unhappy. I hate the mirror. Because I- I've played the mirror before where both people know we're on a cast. And the way it goes is if you go first, you play all of your stuff, and then you put chalice on zero and you win. <laughs> <laughs> um and cause now they're just have sixteen dead cards in their deck. Uh eight bobble, yeah, sixteen dead cards in the deck. And you're just going to accelerate so much quicker than them. Um, But with this, a work like, let's say you're in the blind, where like they're going to be boarding out. Most people are going to board out Chalice's game two and three, so you're not going to end up in that situation. Um, The mirror gets really interesting because there's so many ways to derive value. Like go tall versus just draw a bunch of cards. Um, So. Game one, I just think becomes who gets the bigger constructs with yeah. Shadow Spear. Like Shadow Spear becomes so important, and then a big thing that can come up is Emery Spellbomb bomb loops, um, mm. bouncing construct tokens. Um, if you have the mana, like you can you can realistically bounce Patchwork Automaton, but Kappa might be tough. Kappa is kind of like the mirror breaker, because um, if you end up in like giant creature standoff. Um obviously, you know, you play an artifact, Kappa triggers with its five million words of text and now it's unblockable. Yeah. So in ideal world you have Kappa with them not having the ability to pay the ward and you can just like Mm -hmm. cheat wins that way. But um assuming no Kappa, it's just uh big creatures with shadow spheres and like I'm trying to think what I would want to counter. I mean Emery's probably a big one cuz neither player plays any removal so the yeah. second an Emery sticks it's if just going to be Valley If you City. can stop if you can stop
1: Emery I find that that's that's yeah. the be- the best thing you can do against the opponent especially uh because if the game does go long Emery Emery just puts no. it way out of out of your uh out of your reach.
2: Emery has sold so many games for me just being library ogs and
1: gyro on crack. <laughs> yeah. I find that in the mirror, uh the, the thing that differentiates uh one like a winning a, a winning match uh from a losing match is in game one, whoever gets their second Ursa saga is generally the person that yeah. that ends up winning. Because the first Ursa Saga generally gets Shadow Spear. The second Ursa Saga goes after s- some value piece. It's either uh uh they they you, your opponent has Emory, and you're like, all right, I'll just get Pithing Needle and stop you mm-hmm. from from doing shenanigans. And then you have, you know, four eight apes, uh, yeah. or it's it's you get uh, the bobble and you just set them or bobble. You get the spell bomb and you just set them back like two turns.
2: Another way that I've won Urza Saga mirrors, so not just a cast like Painter, like anything that relies heavily on Urza Saga, is if you're going first and you drop turn one Saga and they don't. Like, I've been against a lot of opponents, I go turn one Saga on the play, they go turn one Saga, or turn two Saga, sorry, on the draw. I don't get a Shadow Spear, I get a Pithy Needle. I make two Constructs, I get a Pithy Needle, I name Saga, they Stop get them. no Constructs. Yeah, 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 Like, yeah. like it turns off and the that rest That was of their mind. whole plan. But, yeah, yeah, it's like, like, Pithy Needling my own Saga has won me a lot of games, because I was just ahead. It's like, essentially, like, one Needle just killed two Constructs for me, and I have two Constructs.
1: Yeah. it's, it's the, it's, it's like playing Winter Orb in old school yeah so it's it's
2: it's so like going first i mean like you can always say it up but going first is so important because if they go turn one saga and you don't like you're in trouble <laughs> yeah.
1: and then out of the board uh we see things like hercules recall yeah um i, I mean I, for me it's like brazen borrow and hercules recall are the cards that like to me stand out in in the mirror but i i don't know that i have a lot in my board i just kind of try oh and haywire hey, might oh yeah uh, haywire, haywire might. might is is bonkers um,
2: obviously. so my boards changed a bit i used to have hercule's recall for like the last six months of my board and i only <laughs> just recently took it out uh i find diverse less artifact decks in paper yeah. um you can definitely verse more online where people are more willing to play various grim monolith combo decks um but the reality we live in with paper is you know People are just significantly less likely to invest into those decks, and also just play them in paper, since it's just so nice to play online when it does all the counting for you. Yeah. Um. But I would pr- I would bring in dismembers, um, just because killing, Psy and memory is just too important. Um, and this way, they can resolve in Nemory, fine, and it's it becomes a one for one rather than two for one with the force. Um.
0: I was going to ask if the dismembers that uh, I saw your 1K list was running the board. You were running three, right? Yeah, uh, three, yeah. Oh I was, uh, uh, I, I was going to ask if the, the dismembers that if those three dismembers if that was something that had been around for a while to stop those kinds of creatures, or if that was an adoption because of bowmasters being everywhere in the metagame.
2: No. Um, so. Dismember has definitely been like a staple since i've so I started playing Legacy this year uh, and then I started paper in April hmm. um and dismembers and force of negations have been the consistent never left my sideboard cards. you need dismembers for oof uh Lavinia like any sort of creature that just hoses you uh dismember exists you need it for taxes um I don't like so. Those type of decks where creatures have these like static abilities that um, can screw you, or like Painter, you bring it in for Painter, because um, between Goblin Welder destroying your artifacts, Painter obviously painting you, um, it's it, it's too good there. We we just don't have access to good kill spells otherwise. So uh, just remember, just fits that slot perfectly, and the life loss is often not a big issue because mm. you just gain it back with a big creature in Shadow Sphere.
0: Yeah, the off of uh, speaking of damage, Zach. This is a great opportunity for you to get those psionic blasts out of your board. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, psionic blast works really great with uh, with uh, ancient tomb, right? I saw someone
2: <laughs> over the weekend challenge. Got I think it was like seventeenth or something, and they played three main deck go for the throats in their eight list. That...
0: They're on black. They went over to black. <laughs>
2: Yeah, people went on to black for a bit just because black was already our most common sideboard color outside of blue. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. some people were trying Bowmasters. Um, supporting so a second color is actually really easy in ACAS cast because in my build alone right now, I have eight rainbow sources, um, yeah. between mm-hmm. four petals, for mox opals. And, and S- then
1: Saga can get it if you need it, right? Yeah,
2: and, and Saga can fetch those things. Um uh, and then on top of that, what some people do is they drop one island for one Spire of Industry, um, which is the Artifact rainbow Rainbowland. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have an Artifact land, I should say. And uh, so that's like it's nine sources to cast your spells, which is like very doable, especially when you can like tutor. Mox yeah, yeah
0: I, stuff. I, I remember zach you were saying that haywire might has been a constant yeah. uh you know thing that's been immensely useful for you particularly at fighting other sagas and that you've never played a green source in your deck
1: no no well i mean i i think i picked up haywire might as soon as it got printed i was like oh yeah, yeah this is a one man artifact we i mean every time a one man artifact gets printed we're like hmm will this work oh. with urza saga and haywire might i was like this exiles. It's so good in the mirror. It's like you just have to risk not having the mana to play it. Like you're gonna, you're top. probably <laughs> going to.
0: What's that? Yeah. RIP, RIP, RIP top, top, but R. I. P. Top, but get but get your candy trails now. Yeah, yeah get I, I think
1: candy trail. Uh, it's it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned that. I was going to bring that up uh, near the end, but C- candy trail is a card that just seems like perfect for this deck with the life gain and the and the scry and the draw all put together.
2: Yeah. Um, so I guess if, if for a while the um I think that that card definitely seemed interesting. But I, I I think just with how strong Legacy is, like I'm just always gonna want find myself wanting the combination of Shadow Spear, Pithy Needle, or um, Moxopal. So it's like I I have a really hard time finding a situation where I want that card. Yeah. The card that I've been paying attention to from while Developrain is uh, how do you pronounce this Sir Ginger the Mealender? Sir
1: Ginger, we talked about this uh on, on the set review. It looks like it looks interesting as far as uh yeah. you know being able to take out like a Narset that would you know kill all of your uh draw effects. So um
2: it it just seems like a card that if for some reason like just guide Control with their five million planeswalkers and few creatures becomes like a real issue. You can like Throw two of these in your board, and all of a sudden, now you have this creature that his haze text group coming out, smacking all of their like. It's a three. It's a three one, and yeah. you know, turn two, it, you just hold on to your bobbles. And this is going back to bobble synergy, which was making me excited about the card. Now your bobbles on top of everything they already do, they're also putting a one one counter on this creature, and scrying. Yeah. So it's it's scry draw a card for zero mana.
1: Yes, ridiculously
0: good. Um I, I, Yeah. Yeah, I mean this is why we, we haven't
1: seen since Slash Panther, you know?
0: <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I I was gonna say for for Sir Ginger, I remember the the only time where I've ever felt like I'm able to like get myself enough breathing room to like be competitive in this matchup is when I have a Caracas on the table. Is Sir Ginger something that you that you've been considering as like simply a cyborg card for those just guy planeswalker matchups? Or is it something that would be in that patchwork automaton space?
2: Um I think patchwork is just generically better um, because it always protects itself. Hmm. Um, whereas Sir Ginger certainly has the upside of scrying with your baubles which is great but I think it's going to hurt too much in other matchups like Shadow, Delver. Um, like it, it really suffers in a lot
1: of the I guess like
2: you know the tempo matchups that mm. run well, a lot
1: of removal. Well, we've talked about the the mirror, but uh, what about some of the other decks? Like, h- how do you feel about Death Shadow?
2: Uh, I overall like the matchup. I think it's favored. I mean, you can always just get grief reanimated as anyone can, and that never feels good. Um, but they're a deck. There was one player who splashed one steam vents for meltdown because, you know. Why not, right? Uh, But um, (laughs) most aren't. They're just doing, like, no rods. Um, I'm typically speaking, I think, happy to sit down against the table from a Death Shadow player. Like, Chalice truly just hoses them, like, so hard. Their only answer to it, game one, is to bounce it with Raisin Bar. I don't think they literally have anything else.
1: No, I mean, when um, I'm playing the 60-card version of, of the deck, there's nothing I can do. I just eat it to that card, especially because I'm also splashing green for Berserk, so it, like, doubly gets me. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the 60-card version has no answers.
2: They can put big creatures, I can put big creatures. The The issue just comes, like, I always feel confident that I can beat the first Bowmaster. It's the second and the third one that really become the issue. Three so, Bowmasters. Oh, <laughs> well, just like your answer the first one, and then because like a lot yeah. of the times with one, the way I beat Bowmaster is like I present a big creature, I just keep attacking with it, and eventually you're going to have to block with the Bowmaster. And then all the cards that say draw cards, I just do that. Yeah. Um, But it can be tough when the second Bowmaster comes out. Now, like you could have like been really low on gas and you might really need to draw cards, which then, you know, obviously, you know, the end result, drawing cards, Bowmaster out. Um, so I love, I love the death shadow matchup
0: overall, but they can always just get you. Um, A yeah, I was just going to ask on the, before we, we go to another deck list, uh, is how you guys combat no rod. And I mean, again, everything that I'm, I come at is from the experience of like the person who's playing those hate pieces. Mm-hmm. It's like, I have played <laughs> no rod before. And what I find is that it, it always seemed like it was relatively easy to play around because you just put big bodies and then start beating me down with the bodies. And like, you know, uh, Emery just recurring literally any artifact of the yard is also an Anthem effect. And so it's like, I always felt like the the No Rod was actually really anemic. Uh, I mean, more anemic than I wanted it to be as like a card coming out of my board for the artifact deck. And like, obviously you can bring it against Storm and stuff like that where it's really powerful. But like, I always felt like uh, against uh, 8-cash, it was like a six and a half, a seven.
2: Yeah, so any of those effects, Null Rod, Oof, uh, Stony Silence, um, I guess also Karn, but he's a lot more of an issue than the previous three. Um, I've beaten those being resolved um, plenty of times before. If you have an Urza Saga and a bunch of artifacts down... It don't matter, yeah. Like, okay, I can't use these, but I can still turn my 8-8 sideways. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, it's it's like, and you can absolutely get got. It's just like, because if you if you if you land it on turn two, and I just don't have a good enough setup and no sagas, like, yeah, you, you can beat me. But I can still cast a kappa with improvise. You're not stopping the improvise effect. Yep. Um, so there are definitely a lot of ways to beat those cards after being resolved. But a lot of the way I play against Death Shadow is I understand like that's their only artifact hate card. Like, I haven't seen them play Hercules Recall. Um, that's something they could adopt if they really want to. Uh, some of them, and like, I think it's telling that you see one player who did well, who splashed a scene vents just for like meltdowns and maybe like, maybe a pyroblast I don't know, but definitely for meltdowns because they, they thought that the Null Rod just wasn't cutting it.
0: Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, that's been my experience. Yeah.
2: Them existing still counts for all the things that counts up your artifacts. I just, I can't pop my bobble, but it's still doing everything else
1: that it does yeah it still produces it produces one mana for all of your affinity spells Makes it's, the still, you know, like, there's, it's so much there's so much like also like you can improvise, two, right? you can, you can improvise yeah. through that effect yes yeah, yeah. and it doesn't C- stop you from drawing two with your thought monitor comes on the board yeah. it's still a flyer it still draws two so it gums up the board uh i, I and like i said there are so many times where yeah you, like like you just said uh that it's you have an eight eight on the board and you weren't going to pop them anyhow. You're just going to swing in with your with your Urza saga. Um, I, I the only real answer that I play and, and I've used it a cu- couple times is is doing Brazen Borrower on one to like get a, get a yeah. couple of draws off of. But For nine your two times main out main ten, out of yeah, nine times out of ten, it's just uh you know like it's not a meltdown, so you're like whatever. I'll get to that eventually.
0: I have a, a question for, uh, you know, not being unable to come to a, an archetype without trying to make it worse. Uh, have you guys ever thought in that, uh, post sideboard slot? And the reason that I'm thinking about this is because Zach, I remember at, uh, SCG Baltimore, you played again, you played a mirror and your opponent had an Urza Lord High Artificer in the sideboard He was on blue as painter. A mirror breaker. Yeah. Oh, he was uh, on blue painter. Okay. Yeah. 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 But, uh, so, but there are some cards that like are in and out of you know talking about Sir Ginger is potentially an out in the sideboard. Uh, you know, we saw that 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 player had an Urza's Lord High Artificer in the sideboard. I remember when I was trying to approach a cast a little while ago before you know I got stubborn and went back to counterbalance. Uh, I was looking at Temeshi as a way to rebuy Urza Saga because I kept thinking, okay, well, Urza Saga is the best. Uh, thing you can be doing and just having more access to more of those seems good. Uh, is uh, Are there any other cards along those lines that have, like, sort of moved in and out of your sideboard or considerations that you've made uh, or stuff that, like, is always at an arm's length for an event?
2: Yeah, so, over there, the reason I looked over there is I have a stack of sideboard cards that's, like, probably 30, 40 cards tall, you know, like, I mean, that's, especially in a format like Legacy, there's so many Silver bullets that and the current meta is like you would never play it, but who knows with the shift? Like, um, so the answer to that question I have a very large sideboard, you know, obviously, I only get 15 cards to pick, um, and it's just really what I expect. Like, uh, if I expected more, um, Larrett Mage decks, like the Brazen Bar to go back in. If I expected a lot more artifact decks, I'd be putting in the Hercules Recall. Um, you know, uh, one player in Japan has been high on like the Green Splash where you go on one island and just disp- force fire, and then like you have like a sage, you and Life from the Loam. Um, I've never
0: heard of that. That seems sick. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Getting life from the Loam. Bat- and, and just like continuing the Urza Saga shenanigans seems great
2: because I, I've played. Um, Crucible of worlds in yeah. my sideboard mm-hmm. before when I want to get grindier. The advantage that loam has over crucible is that loam also lets you continuously keep, um, using your channel in your Adawara. Yeah. And besage use.
0: And it, it's, you, you can flip value for memory too. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. 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 Um,
2: I, I the... have not played that one in paper.
0: Hmm.
1: One of the—I uh, don't want to spoil too much because uh, David, we're going to have you on for sort of a, d- a shorter, like, featured deck tech, uh, yeah. probably early next week. But one of the things that uh, we mentioned in that is—is is how so much of the so much of your uh, your sideboarding is based on. Yeah, I'm going to keep my Force of Will's in, uh, but I'm going to take out this this or that or this. So Force of Will does a lot of the work for sideboarding to, to begin with. Um, but that allows you to kind of spread out your sideboard a little bit and, 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 uh, you know, cause that's your silver bullet for your opponent's silver bullets. You're not so much answering, uh, questions your opponent's doing is just questioning the answers that they're throwing at you. Um, so I, I think also having, uh, so force will staying in right as, as like a sideboard card, but then also you have access to so many ones and zero, uh, mana, uh, artifacts that are silver bullets against certain decks, like you know, uh, Soul Guide Lantern or uh, Tormod's Crypt stuff, like stuff like that. That you only need one of. You know, you get yeah. that. You get that one. You know, and so that allows you to expand your sideboard a little bit more.
2: Yeah, I mean, Saga. Saga is one of my favorite cards. Like I was maining there's a Saga Emery deck in Modern as well before I came over. I was playing Grinding Breach. Um, Saga just lets you win so many matchups that maybe you don't have a right winning because you just tutor the hate keys. Like it's like, okay, do I want um Soul Guy Lantern, which is what I'm typically on, or if I like expect really amounts like heinous amounts of graveyard decks, I'm like, alright, I'll guess I'll uh go get Grafdigger's Cage. Um which turns off my own memories, but you know, Graf Digger's Cage what? is gross against some decks.
0: But it only turns off like if you wanted to rebuy your thought monitors, right? It doesn't. You can still bobble. Right? Yeah. You, no, can, you
2: I, can cast cards from the graveyard. Yeah. It stops everything. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, okay.
0: okay. I so, yeah, yeah.
2: like, for example, against Reanimator, obviously it stops all their yeah, creatures yeah, yeah. coming in, but it also stops them from flashback, um, faithless looting, and cabal therapy. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And you can also stop dudes and stress daddy from uh, getting uh, stuff with their green sumziness that way.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, so right now I'm not on Grafdigger's Cage, but that's a card that is like always like very close to being in if it's not.
1: Yeah, I call that the 16th slot. I'm always looking at that card being like, hmm. Nah. It, What's beautiful about uh, the Soul's, Soul Guy Lantern versus Grafdigger's Cage is like, yeah, it's a one-time effect, but because you are rebuying it like with, with Emery, it works that way but the the fact that you can use it to draw a card and on top of that like you can just blank their entire graveyard over and over again is kind of uh is kind of the beauty of that card like before we had Termon's crypt and that was fine and you know it, look, the decks really never existed without Soul's guide lantern but yeah. uh being able to like Tormund's Crypt every turn was fine, but knowing that, like, you don't have to go find that other bobble, like, if you didn't have a bobble, and you could still get the card draw off of that card, it just adds an extra dimension to that hate piece.
2: Yeah, I mean, Tormund's Crypt being a zero mana artifact is so enticing, but I just think the other ones are just so much stronger that you're fine. Yeah, and it co- they cost zero, one,
1: anyhow, right? Like they're they coming zero out for from free. Saga. Yeah, the, game, <laughs> yeah. the,
2: the only <laughs> downside to them costing one is sometimes you can end up in a situation where you screwed yourself with
1: chalice. I watched like I, you do that in at the very first game. I was like, "Oh no!" He chal- he put his chalice back out, and he has the uh, shadow spear in his in his graveyard. What's he doing? And then you end up—it it ended up getting. Uh, blown up anyhow and you got the yeah. shadow spear out but i was like no you didn't get the shadow spear back
0: There was there was just a... next level plays you knew that i was going to get blown up in two turns right? oh, you're yeah. like this is yeah. gonna be perfect
2: there was there was one match i played chalice on one uh just to stop my opponents from doing stuff uh i then out of word chalice back into my hand played uh, it was i uh, it was needle alert some sort of one card said i needed and then i played chalice again <laughs> my opponent wait was that against phil i don't think it was against phil but it was like it was like a very long it was like earlier in the year but i, I was i liked that play out in my own chalice <laughs> yeah
0: it, it, it definitely wasn't against me because i definitely would have remembered that yeah. i don't think anybody's ever picked up their own chalice against me before so what
1: what do you think about grixis delver i
0: i think this is one of the hardest matchups because there's pressure
1: and and meltdowns
2: yeah delver's a weird matchup for me um like, I feel like overall, traditionally, I do pretty well on the matchup. Um, they have 21 cost spells. Um, so, Chalice is good against them until Chalice becomes like. And, like, Chalice can become potentially not good if you don't land it early and they get to go through their deck. Um, Delver's a fun matchup. I find Delver to be a fun matchup. Um, because you can just go big creature shadow spear like if, if you smack one time with the big creature and shadow spear, which gives you enough life to start doing everything with your tombs again. Yeah, I I feel really good.
1: Um, There's a real pressure play with having the ancient tombs against a deck like that that's like running bolts. Oh, you know, bolts and, kind of the,
2: bolts the creature. <laughs> yeah, with Delver and DRC. Um, yeah, that's a matchup that like I feel like on paper hypothetically should be cast favored, but it always feels like very fifty fifty to me um it's delver they can wasteland you uh I don't care about days i I don't really respect days as an cast <laughs> player, but <laughs> um, there's not much to
1: there's not much to worry about with days like occasionally you're gonna be in a situation where like they they get your Kappa Cannoneer with it or something like that, but like for the most yeah. part you just have so much excess mana that it's a dead card in their hand a lot of times. And
2: oftentimes, I consider boarding out Kappa against Alver. I don't like playing Kappa against counterspell pyroblast decks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. It, cause sure, if it resolves, great, but they beat it on the stack pretty easily is the issue. Yeah. Um. They're without a wasteland, it, it, it there's like so many play patterns. Like if I go turn one saga. Cast Pithy Needle, name Wasteland, follow up with Tomb. I'm already thinking like, especially if it's game one and I've done this against very skilled, good Delver players. I'm like, I already won. Like, it's over. Like, I'm about to make two, three threes, one of which is going to be a four 4 lifelink. life link. Like, my creatures are bigger than yours. Like, I don't, I don't, and they're going to obviously they're going to be bigger because I'm going to play more artifacts. Like, I, I truly don't know what they do at that point if you if you go Saga Pithy Needle Wasteland, but um. If you don't have like one of those god starts against Delver, then I definitely think it becomes like a really intricate, fun match. But I, I think we can create non-games with certain openers that we get. Yeah.
1: Um, so how do you feel about the like pile decks?
2: Oh, the four C pile decks. Yeah. I love them. I want to verse
1: them every time.
2: <laughs> that's, I, I legitimately think that's one of ACAS's best matchups. Um, because I don't care about the ring. I have main deck pithy needle. I have sideboard haywire might um yeah. i am like eight cast is so equipped to fight the one ring one all my opponents and then on top of that we have counters like so and if you spend four mana to fog me one turn draw a card and then i needle it or something it's like sure fine you got it um i don't care about Ura. my creature is going to be bigger than Uro. yeah
1: um I think the it's- biggest the biggest issue that you have to have with that deck is, uh, finding like knowing that you've probably pithy needled something else and seeing like seeing like Miskin Boo hit the board after you've already expended your pithy needle on something else, and then and then having to like you know as like a turn three play you know like they're like okay I'm gonna play
2: yeah
1: uh, you know delighted halfling. Uh, into something else, into Minskin and Boo, and and you you know you try to stop. their something else with the pithing needle.
2: I feel like I've been noticing, at least just just in the local meta, like slightly less Minskin Boos in these four C. Like I'm calling them like four C legends now. Yeah. Um. Because hmm. with like delighted halflings, like uh, okay, so delighted halfling turn one delighted halfling into turn two to fairy is terrifying. If they do that, I am not in a good position but if they don't do that i like i don't know it's just you put planes like they play narset they play, it doesn't matter i'll just have a creature i'll beat it down i'm yeah. not like
1: with why, the planeswalker. why, walker, why it's, it's very specifically i think i think that's something that uh people watching would, would, would so, know
2: so to, to very specifically because it if if you you can counter Teferi, so they go half lane, they play uncounterable Teferi, and then they bounce something, they're bouncing your Saga, they're bouncing your Child, like whatever you just played. They're up a card, and now they're just going to keep slamming must answer threat after must answer threat, and you can have the possibility that you just have all these Force of Wills sitting in your hand, and they're dead cards. And by the time you deal with Teferi, like, they're just instant speed, like... Prismatic Endings on you. Um, that's the start from them that I'm, that I'm terrified of because I can't counter any of their stuff and now they can do everything at instant speed and they already put me behind by bouncing whatever. Yeah, the bounce seems, seems
1: actually terrible, especially if it's hitting an Urza Saga and that was your plan.
2: Because if they went first, you're not making a construct. Now and now I can't deal with the Teferi.
1: Yeah. that that's I think that's the worst part about Teferi is the fact that it can bounce enchantment saga is an enchantment now you're back a land uh if if your start was uh, was on the premise that you were going to play turn one saga into turn two uh tomb and and make that your whole plan you you looked at your hand and was like, this is good enough based on that and if that plan gets ruined you're you're in real trouble
2: yeah and then Because um, there's just a bunch of like value cards that Phil hates um just a bunch of must answer one card i wins if you don't uh but but cast is truly just like we we outvalue them we draw more cards yeah we play big creatures and like we're not very vulnerable to the one ring comparative to other decks so it, it, that's just i think since lord of the rings came out um like seven to one in the matchup now Oh. Okay
0: um uh, also like what a, what a you know going back what a, a called miss shot uh i thought when one ring was spoiled i thought like you know it was just going to be you know stock we're going to be looping this with yeah. memory. and then it just like it's nowhere and AK like it just has not no. came, come through you don't need it is what it comes down that, that, to that, it's yeah, like that's, it's that's like what wonderful that yeah. you're
1: drawing extra cards like at a rate that's slower than just drawing you yeah. know drawing two cards and the drawing two yeah. cards and the drawing two cards for one mana you know like
0: yeah i, think I, that, I, that's I, I, I just thing. thought like I thought the, the the looping of protection forever was the thing that like would ins- be instead of I was like, oh, my opponent just can never kill me now because they can never touch me. And I was like, oh, that seems actually really powerful. But it just, you know, of course, like in practice now, seeing how like the deck operates, like it seems too slow. Yeah. Uh, but I yeah. remember when it was first spoiled, I thought that like just having an additional axis to beat your opponent of like, I can never die. Is w- w- was really appealing, but it David, just hasn't broken I away. don't
1: know if you'll agree with me on this, but that always seems like Magic Christmas Land to me because Emery is the first thing that people kill. Uh,
2: Emery, yeah.
1: Mostly Emery... because it's one of the few things they can kill.
2: People uh, do not let Emery stick if they can no. uh, control it.
1: <laughs> I don't think, I, I can't remember a game where I've gotten like three uses out of Emery that I either didn't win in that time or uh, that I, you know, like she died.
0: Yeah, yeah this... You always strip mine the Library of Alexandria team. Come on. Yeah. It's like, okay,
2: yeah, sure, this card that's going to constantly tutorable draw one card from my graveyard each turn, Like you can ignore it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for the One Wing and A-cast, it, it's it's four mana, so you're never going to cheat it out early is the issue. like Decks that use the One Wing are either of these um mystic forge you know manifold key like combo decks with you know grim monolith and they can abuse the hell out of getting those mid-range colorless things out and then tapping them and untapping a bunch of times so it's busted in that shell um and then you have four color which is just i'm gonna slam must answer threat each turn so it's fine that it comes out on turn four because you had to answer the thing that i did on turn three or mm-hmm. like so
1: well, I think that's, that's an important part of the, uh, of the equation there, too, is, like, let's say we do get it out on turn one. We're missing half of the value, you know? The, the value of that card is being able to slam it on turn four, uh, yeah. at, you know, unprotected, and then be like, cool, the next, next turn when I untap, I'm going to be up cards, and I'm going to slam, like, my new thing that you have to deal with. Playing it on turn <laughs> one is just, like, whatever. Like, it, it just <laughs> drew me an extra card.
0: That's really interesting. I, I I never actually thought about the devaluing of the protection if it comes down earlier than it does in a developed board game or a board state. That's I, I that's cool. I never actually considered that when I was thinking about like oh yeah, of course, ring coming down early is like more powerful because the the draw engine is so insane. But the idea that if the board hasn't developed and the protection is kind of useless early is kind of potent. That may have skewed me to not thinking that it would be an a cast uh, from the jump. But
2: and what's interesting is if you if you look at um, it's Swifty time. I mean, the, the player mentioned earlier, who's been doing well in challenges, uh, they're actually down on thought monitors. Like I, th- I think their current build only runs one thought monitor, like
1: one or two, yeah,
0: yeah. Yo, if 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 we're not, if if we are actually away or off or trending towards moving away from being eight cast, then it looks it's looking good for Bobble Pop. Bob. <laughs> <laughs> It's Like, do I have to comment
2: and tell people no, I'm on five cast today? Yeah, you know? no. I mean, I'm, on, I'm on
1: six cast. Yeah, um, so I think I think for the final like uh matchup situation, it, we should just blanket combo decks like Storm yeah. and Reanimator, th- those style of decks. I feel like we you have sort of the same approach to those, but but what do you think?
2: Uh, put Chalice on one and then Force of Will the Cards that be you. Yeah, I think <laughs> um, that's that's pretty. That's and then pretty I was, tuto, I was, uh, tuger, Tutor Tudor this thing off a of saga that beats him.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say, do you have to, do you guys have to think of or respect uh combo at all? Given that you, but even before you get to combo, you're already a four Chalice eight Force of Will deck. Like, is combo just like a consideration that you take into account at all outside of maybe the graph Diggers Cage? Um. Do well, you already have like a soul guide lantern in the main to like sort of mess up uh, graveyard if they don't you know uh, no force it second... I, I
2: don't do soul guide in the main. Um oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. Uh, we'll, I, have, lot... we'll have we'll
1: uh, have D- David's list below as well, uh okay. so that you can see sort of what the differences are between the, the list I've been um, running and the list that you, you just recently ran.
2: I think like right now, typically speaking, people run three one mana artifacts, which is always gonna be Shadow Spear. Um, pretty much always going to be spellbomb with the prevalence of like Murktide and Merrily. It's just, it's just too good. Um, And then I'm a bigger fan of main deck Pithy Needle over um, Soul Lander. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Pithy Needle just has too many relevant hits between, I'm always okay with naming Wasteland, whatever Planeswalker, One Ring, you know, I'll name Caracas. Like,
1: it's uh it's just too good and you just mentioned like if you chose wrong you can odowar it back to your hand and play yeah. and play it on the right target you know
0: yeah i i always was gonna ask if there was a world where people play an additional pithing needle on the sideboard or if that's something that's ever been considered because oh. there's times often where i'm like you know i'll play matches where i'm like man i would like pithing needle would be excellent in this position and not even from somebody who can tutor it you know that uh, like having multiple pithing needles would be good i've Definitely considered all the
2: time going up an extra pithy needle. Mm-hmm. It's like, pithy needle, it, it's such an unsung MVP of the deck. It's won me so many games. Like, a lot of times you're like, oh, get Shadow Spear. I was like, I don't need Shadow Spear. I'm going to just get pithy
0: needle and name the one card that I'm afraid of. Because yeah. it's like. I- I was gonna say we, we we've we, David and I have had like had a stretch where for like two months every we're just pay- every every single <laughs> every, week I've, t- seen somehow, I've seen the matches. somehow I've seen the somehow we always yeah <laughs> and there, there was there was one time where you know Anurza Saga was coming off chapter three I had a fetch in play and this was post board and I'm like I don't need to crack the fetch right now there's no way that. He left him Pithing Needle. And then he gets Pithing Needle and names my fetch. And I like audibly was like, it's still in, but like, why? And then I was trying to, I was like racking my brain. I was like, what is in my deck that he would possibly want this for? And then when we talked about it afterwards, it was like, yeah, I had to keep Needle in for Caracas." And I was like, oh, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot.
2: Caracas can be such a feels bad card if you're on the Emery side of your deck. Yeah. It, it, that one card can truly just like sometimes hose you depending on the situation you're in.
1: Pithing Needle is an interesting card, uh, specifically because it lives in the same space uh, strategic, strategic wise, as Cabal Therapy does. It behooves a player who knows what they're doing to make the right call, um, especially if they're doing it in the blind. You know, Cabal Therapy is less of a less of an issue once you know what's in your opponent's hand, uh, or once you know what's on the board for your opponent. But um, Phil came over last last weekend and we were playing, and. Um, I, I got a, a pithy needle and I, I, I tossed it down. I can't remember what I named. And then he slammed a Jace and I was just like, I'm the biggest idiot in the world. Like, I, you know, because who plays Jace anymore anyhow? But of course, Phil does. Wow. Uh, wow. <laughs> and, and and I was just like, oh, God, why did I just name, you know, why did what, I just name like the, the
0: obvious card? You know, what did you but, name? Uh,
1: I, I, you know, I can't remember now. Uh, it might have been one of his fetch lands, I think.
0: I, I think you named Teferi 3. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, I don't
1: think Phil plays Teferi Fairy Three. I could be wrong. I
0: I, I wasn't in that build, but yep. I think I think in, in the, if if you're unsure, I think that that was a reasonable name. Yeah,
1: Phil Phil had a weird a weird version of the deck that was winning with lightning bolts. So uh, I don't play let, weird cards. I think bolt, version of Phil's miracles. deck is
0: weird. <laughs> uh, I play stock and only stock. You so, are the stock. I am stock. Yes. <laughs> so very stocky. Uh,
1: we'll have we'll have a list. Uh, uh your, you know the list that you won the one K with below, yeah. um. But are are there any changes that you would make to the deck after after winning the one K? Uh
2: um, let's see. Let me pull up this lovely deck list. Uh, I mean, so the meta is, I think, in terms of changes to deck list. I just started testing out online. Uh, the Swiftie build, which is for Kappa. I'm oh, sorry. Um. Four patchwork automaton, three kappa, um only two chalices, um, one thought monitor because and then the big thing um that's a good bit different is
1: two uh
2: metallic rebukes.
1: Yeah, I've been seeing Metallic Rebuke um, a lot. I
2: tried Metallic Rebuke one time. I actually played against Phil with it one week. Um I like I was like, eh it's alright. But I'm starting to revisit it. Swifty's build is less bury your opponent in extreme card advantage in some way, shape, or form. And it, it, it only it almost becomes like this I'm gonna I guess merge a lot of words together, like stompy, like tempo-ish deck. It's like it's like a taller delver, because you can go turn one, patchwork, have backup, with your one mana counter, which is going to counter anything, it's not a conditional counter, yeah. and they're not going to have the three mana to pay for it. So it's just play it an early threat and then protect it with counters, you know, because he's on six counters instead of four, two of which don't require you to pitch another card, and it's really easy to just tap one blue source
1: and two artifacts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it's, it's always weird to me to, uh, sp- well, specifically it's, it's easy to tap the two artifacts when you have something like an artifact creature that you just put into play that you haven't attacked with yet. Right. Yeah, it just, it
0: I just mean, taps itself. T- t- Tapping the chalice to cast your, Oh, this is my uh, favorite thing. Your, I mean, it it just, it feels disrespectful, right? Like <laughs> it's, a, it's like, you, you feel like you're getting away with something in that, in that regard, right? Like
2: if I get to tap an artifact for improvise that, has no tap effect. I feel so good. Yeah, bar, it so good. Chalice, yeah.
0: Shadow Spear. I'm like, oh, it doesn't even yeah, do anything. It's like a tangle when, wire. When <sighs> that piffing needle is also a mock sapphire, you're like, oh, oh chef's kiss. It feels good. I think. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think the very first time that uh, a player taps a tangle wire for their tangle wire is like when they is is when the, they just like completely get taken over by the dark side. They're just like, oh, yeah, remember this? Like, I'm going to stack the counters this way, tap the Tango Wire with this other Tango Wire, and then just watch their opponent just, like, tap every one of their permanents, and they're like, oh, I'll just attack with one of my creatures, you know? Uh, I played Standard during that era, and it was just bonkers. It was the best thing ever.
2: Yeah, just free
1: value is addicting. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's a good place to call it. Uh, we, we have, you know... Uh, a, a lot of really good information about 8cast and like I said you're going to come on uh, later this week or late, or early next week and we're going to have a full like uh feature length uh like 8 9 minute uh, episode of you uh really getting into explaining the deck and explaining the the concepts and value of, of the deck as well. So I think uh one I'd love to I'd like to thank you for coming on this week to to hang out okay. and talk with us about 8cast.
0: Yeah, thanks so much Robert.
2: Yeah, I get the joy of seeing Phil every week at the Game Storia over in Queens.
0: You, he he loves David loves sitting across from me because uh he's got, you know, what is it? Like a 27 and 0 record at uh, the moment. I'm so, oh, I'm so What do you I'm think? Still trying, still trying to get on the board. <laughs>
2: someone's like phil why didn't you just kill the emery in the comments i was like well he would have if he could it's not you know it's not the big brain strategy <laughs> yeah I, I i didn't
0: think about just having the removal spell in my yeah. hand yeah yeah i should have thought of i should have no. considered that why are you letting me yeah. draw
2: two cards every turn come on yeah
0: <laughs> it's really a mystery it's really a mystery why i would choose to let you do that yeah
1: no, just stop it stop, let it,
0: stop just like yeah, yeah, throwing just, games yeah i don't understand why i made that choice you know yeah. <laughs>
1: well, uh also it was it was great to finally get a chance to to meet you face to face as well. Um and uh yeah, uh if if you you're watching and you enjoyed this video, don't forget to, you know, like it, subscribe, you know, comment all that stuff. Actually, yeah, if you have any questions uh for David, we'll happily pass those on to him as well, so go ahead and comment that down below uh and uh some of this may make its way into the uh, future video as well. Thanks for watching everybody. We're about to do a new deck tech video for 8-Cast, but here's the old one. Let us know what you think. Where do you think we can improve?